Hi, this is Marcus, and I just want to welcome you to the Timbers Church Podcast. We're excited that you're here. One of the things that we aim to do is to add some value to your life, to your family, to our community, and our world. We do so by exploring the truths that come from God's Word. So start the journey with us and hit subscribe and check out this podcast every week. Now, let's dive into this week's message. How's everybody doing today? Well, I pray that today finds you well. Whatever's going on in your quarantine as you're locked in your house, uh, I pray that today finds you well. And I'm excited that you have tuned in for this message. And I'm excited that you're at Church with Timbers today. So what are we going to talk about today? Well, we're going to continue on in a series that we kicked off last week that we're calling Light in the Dark. Light in the Dark. And this is actually our Easter series that we're going to be doing. And here's the deal. Here's the deal. Like Easter's coming up, right? And so we want to talk about it a little bit. And it just sort of, the Light in the Dark series, it just sort of seems fitting, right? Because when you look around the world today, it just seems like things are a little bit dark and gloomy. And so today we're going to talk about it a little bit. And I hope that we can add some value to your life, give you something that hopefully you can apply to your life. So uh, if you are going to write anything down, you're going to take notes, just write light in the dark. That's a series title. And then write part two. This is part two of the series because we kicked it off last week. And if you have one of these, a Bible or a version Bible app, get it out now because we're going to be diving into it right away. And so let's uh, actually open it up to Matthew chapter 27. There you go. Matthew chapter 27. That's where we're going to start off. But before uh, I read this little verse to you, I just want to take a second to sort of give you some review. Now, ultimately, it'd be great if you heard the whole message. And if you didn't, you can jump over to YouTube or you can go over to Spotify for our podcast and you can listen to the whole message. And that I really encourage you to do. But for those that were here last week and already heard the whole message, there's so much happening in our world today that a lot of the content is flooding into our life and we forget what we talked about last week. So I want to give you a quick review of what we talked about last week, because last week as we kicked this off, we looked at the image of bread. We've been sort of highlighting these images that we find in God's word scattered throughout and sort of saying, man, what does this image actually have to do with us here today? Is there more that maybe we could gather from that image? And when it came to bread, you might think, what does bread have to do with anything? Well, it has a lot to do with a lot of things in in the Bible. We went all the way back to the Israelites, and as they were out in the desert, God was supplying them with daily bread and manna, the last supper, the the, the feast of unleavened bread that they had as uh, they were getting ready to leave Egypt. That had to do with bread. Then you fast forward to Jesus, and as he was teaching on the hillside, he did the miraculous, and he fed thousands of people with a few small loaves, and then he gave a teaching about how he is your daily bread, and and all these different things that tie into bread. And then you look at the Last Supper, the Passover, the last meal that Jesus had with his followers, and they're celebrating the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and Jesus takes the bread, he breaks it, right? And then he talks about how he is becoming the bread. And so you're sitting there, and you're like, man, there's a lot lot that bread has to do with when it comes to this story. And that image had a greater meaning. And the meaning was simply this, that God is actually our provider. And we see that we can trust God to meet all our needs because of that. Not only that, our greatest need, our greatest need has always been and always will be the broken relationship between us, mankind, and God. 
And it was because of Jesus being sent as God's son that Jesus literally stepped into becoming our daily bread in order to provide for that need, the need of the broken relationship. Jesus came and what Jesus did on Good Friday and on Easter actually met that need. Jesus became our daily bread, and that reminds us of all the ways that God will continue to meet our needs and provide for us here today. It fires me up, man. I could go back and re-preach that message. So if you didn't catch that message, go make sure that you listen to it. But we don't have time to get into all that now. So let's uh, get ready to dive into what we want to talk about this week. And so if you have your Bible and you've opened up to Matthew chapter 27, verse 45 through 46, it says this. It says, from noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, Laba Shabachthani, and I'm sorry if I said that wrong, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Eli, 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 I mean, I got to say that a couple more times. Eli, Eli, Laba Shabachthani. Somebody's going to have to help me out with that. But it means, my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? Wow, that's intense. So let's just take a moment now that we've read our text and let's just say a quick little prayer. God, I just want to invite you into this message to speak clearly to us. Lord, we know that you can speak through technology. You can speak through a person like myself. And we just pray, Father, as we listen today, that you open our ears to hear, that you open our eyes to see, and you open our minds that we might understand and soften our hearts so that we'll be able to receive all that you speak. And then give us the strength and the courage to put all that you speak into action, God, because we don't want to just be hearers of your word. We want to be doers. And so I pray, Father, that you'll help us to be your church. And everybody, no matter where you are today, says amen. Amen. All right. So I got to tell you something. I have been on a kick lately about the importance of water in your life. And it's been a little while. If you've been coming, you've been seeing me carry around this little water thing here. And I'm drinking it. I'm measuring my water and all that. Uh, And you probably already know this, but your body is actually made up of 70 to 80% water, okay? And that's a lot. And so I'm like, man, that's pretty cool. And so when I found that out and, and knew that, I was like, I think there's maybe more to water than meets the eye. So I started digging a little bit and I found some things out about water. One is water, the role that water plays in our body being 70 to 80%, depending on how hydrated you are and your age and all those kind of things. It actually, the, the role that it plays, it, it's a part of maintaining your DNA. Okay, and that means that when you don't get enough of this water, when you get dehydrated, it actually means that you're damaging your own DNA. You're damaging it. And that sort of sounds like a little bit of a big deal. And it's one of the reasons why it's actually one of the first steps in getting healthy and staying healthy. And so in this period of time where, you know, like everybody's worried about a virus, right, and and getting sick, maybe you get some lemon and some water and put it in here with a little bit of salt and you just sort of, you got to get your water, right? Oh, it's good, right? 
And, and, and so get, get your water, get hydrated and fill yourself up. But that's not what I want to talk to you to about today. That's your health tip for the day. And I'm not a health expert, but I gave you a health tip. But I do want to talk to you about something else when it comes to water, because as I went on this kick with water, I began to actually say, well, I want to see what the Bible has to say about water. Maybe there's something there that I can find. And and sort of like you find the image of bread scattered throughout here. I, I also found that water is mentioned quite a few times. And so I began to think, man, if it's mentioned all these different times throughout scripture, maybe like bread had a, a deeper meaning to it. Maybe water has something attached to it. Maybe that's an image that actually has some meaning and maybe I can figure out what that is. So I began to ask myself, what is the image of water throughout scripture? Why in the world was God prompting the writers that wrote these 66 books to keep using the word water? And and implement or put it into the story. And how does the word connect to the full story of all 66 books, the full gospel message to the Easter story? How does it fit into all of it? And, and you might be sitting there and scratching your head a little bit and saying, man, water and, and being, how is water tied to the Easter story? I've heard the Easter story and, and I don't think I've ever heard water being attached to it. And the truth of the matter is, it's not specifically there, okay? So I get why you're scratching your head, but there's a reason why I want to look at the image of water today, and it, it's because of how water appears, okay? The how actually represents the very important part of the Easter story. So let's let's dive in, right? You ready? You ready to dive in with me? Let's go back to the very first place in Scripture that we actually see water mentioned. And it's actually at the very beginning, first book of the Bible, okay? First chapter of the Bible, first two verses of the Bible is where you actually see it pop up. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 through 2, it says this. It says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Verse 2, Now the earth was formless, and empty darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the what? The waters. Stop there. Now, I don't know how many times I've read that portion of Scripture. I love it, okay? But I, as many times as I've read that portion of Scripture, I, I never caught something. As a matter of fact, it literally was just last year when I got in this whole water kick was probably the first time that I actually noticed something that I hadn't noticed before. Because see, as a kid growing up in the church, I, I knew full well that God created the heavens and the earth and that the whole first chapter of Genesis is talking about how he created everything. And it's true, he did. But the thing that I just read and the thing that I've now begun to notice is that water was already there. And to add to that, the spirit of God was hovering over the water. Now, I'm not sure exactly what that means, but it sure sounds cool. There's water and there's the spirit of God hovering over it. And so I, I read that and I'm like, man, I got all these questions that are now jumping off the pages at me. Like, where in the world did this water come from, right? Has water literally existed for all time, like God has existed for all time? And, and what in the world is this verse trying to actually communicate to us? What is it saying here? 
Now, I'm not one of these Hebrew theologian type guys, but like if you jump over and look at this word and how it is translated in the Hebrew language, the word here, water, is actually translated as ma'am, which means, are you ready for this? It means water. Just like we understand water, H2O, that's what it means. But it also has a little bit more to it than just that, because as you look at the additional definition in the Hebrew uh, word is, is water of danger and violence. Okay, so water represents something a little bit more here. We also see in verse 2 that it tells us that the earth was formless. Now, the meaning of that word there is actually chaos. So what we see here is we see that God is doing something right here in the very beginning of all creation. What he is doing is he's bringing order and stability to things. How cool is that? He's, he's actually making things that are good that once were not so good. I, this is cool to me. Before he brought before he brought order to things, there was what? There was water. And this isn't just the only place in scripture where we see water used in this way where it has a little bit of destruction and chaos to it. Just a few chapters later in Genesis, we hear another story and it's the story of Noah. Noah is this guy and him and his family literally are spared, their lives are spared by by getting onto this giant boat because while the earth was falling, people were falling away from God, sin had entered the world, right? Wickedness was everywhere. And the earth was literally destroyed by God because he needed to clear out all the wickedness. And you, you sit there and you read the story and you wonder, okay, like the whole earth, everything except for what was on this boat was destroyed. But what destroyed it all? Well, what destroyed it all was, guessed it, water. Water was used to literally bring the greatest destruction that our earth, that our world has ever experienced. Now, because I was on this whole water kick, I, I, I was like, man, this is not the image that I was actually hoping to find, right? I, I had a different image in mind when I was going down this path. And the image that I had was a nice glass full of cold water on a hot day, right? It's refreshing, right? Or or maybe just like the idea of something peaceful, like, like you're at the lake shore with a good book and you're just feet kicked up, sun beating down, or, or maybe a fishing pole in your hand. And, and it's like, that's the image I was looking for and I was hoping to find, but I didn't find that. Instead, I found something that represented danger. It seemed like water actually symbolized fear, a great threat. And for sure, that is exactly what the people who didn't make it onto Noah's Ark were feeling fear, right? Our lives are about to end because of this new thing, this water that is literally beginning to drown us. And we don't have time to look at all the places throughout scripture that mention water, but I do want to skip ahead several books to the, the book of Psalms, okay? Because the psalmist mentions it several times as well. And, and the person who we believe who wrote this psalm was King David. And, and if you have the Bible, uh, why don't you open it up to Psalms chapter 69. Psalms, that's the middle of the Bible. Psalms chapter 69. And uh, verse 1 through 2, King David, he actually said this. He said, Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in my merry depths. 
where there is no foothold. I have come up into deep waters. The floods engulf me. The floods engulf me. Now, I have a feeling like that David was not having one of those near-life, near-death experiences with water, okay? I have a feeling like instead what was going on here is he was actually using the image of water to represent all that he was feeling threatened with, right? The dangers of life had had come, and David's circumstances had become so trying and so overwhelming that he felt like he was, like, drowning. Have you ever been there? Where you felt like you were drowning because of life? I sure have. And David didn't stop there. If you drop down just a few verses later in verse 13 through 15, he said this. He said, but I pray to you, Lord, in, 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 this time, uh, in, in the time of your favor, in your great love, O God, answer me with your sure salvation. Rescue me from the mirror. Do not let me sink. Deliver me from those who hate you. Or hate me, I'm sorry, hate me from the dead from the deep waters. Do not let the floodgates engulf me, for the depths swallow me up, or the pit closes its mouth over me. See, David understood that life is hard. He also understood something else about life. He understood in the challenges that life was throwing at him. He understood that he wasn't going to be able to make it through those challenges without something else. And so what did he do? David called out to God. He actually looked to the one who had the power in order to rescue him, to get him through. And I don't know if you've ever felt like David, but maybe you have. And maybe you've been in situations where you've actually used one of these common phrases, like, I I can't catch my breath, or... I feel like I'm just sort of treading water here or I'm, I'm drowning right now. You see, we in our culture and in our time period, we also use the image of water to represent something difficult when it comes to life. It could be so many different things that we face. It could be broken relationships with our spouse. We're fighting. We see divorce written on the wall and, and things are just intense. It could be broken relationships with your kids and it's just always butting heads. It could be at work. There's so many different relationships that get broken and you just feel like you're you're treading water or you're drowning. And It could be unemployment. It could be you got laid off from work. You can't find work and, and that's just making you feel like you're drowning. It could be the, the financial stress that comes with that or maybe you actually have a job but you still feel that stress. It's like debt just sort of creeping over you and, and you can't seem to get ahead in life or everything that you touch in life seems to not succeed. Everything you touch, you fail out and therefore you begin to think that you yourself are a failure or maybe it's the whole social distancing thing that we're dealing with right now. You're sitting there and you feel like you're locked up in your house and you just, you feel so alone. You feel so lost and you feel trapped. Maybe you're actually somebody who is sick right now and you feel like you're fighting for your life, but it's like, you don't know how much longer you can, can fight because of this sickness that you face. Maybe it's not that you're sick, but you have 
a huge fear because of everything that you're seeing in the news and around the world. And you just have this huge fear that maybe you will get sick. I don't know what it is, but I do know all the feelings that we face really do feel like violent water that's trying to take, take us down. And so the question then becomes, as we feel this way and as we face these things, will we face it the way that David faced his water? Will we cry out to God? Will we allow God room for him to actually bring us hope in the midst of our own water experience, not allowing it to swallow us up, but turning to him? Because remember, God will act on our behalf, which actually brings us back to applying this whole principle to the Easter story. Because see, as you read through the gospel accounts here in the Bible, one thing that you begin to realize not too long into the story is that it is full of difficulty, right? There's no water physically showing up, but what water represent was difficulty, right? That, that tension, that, that fear and all that. And it's like, man, things got hard and they got hard quick for Jesus. I mean, it, it all began with one of his own 12 disciples betraying him. You want to talk about broken relationship. You want to feel like stabbed in the back. One of your own closest friends has turned you over, betrayed you, right? You get arrested. And then you get falsely accused for something that you did not do. And then they literally send you out and you get whipped with a cat of nine tails, ripped to shreds to the point where people weren't even able to recognize you. You're bruised, you're bloodied, and then they, they make you carry a cross. You carry that cross as far as you can to the point of exhaustion until you fall over. And then, then they literally take you up on this hill and they, they nail you to this cross, right? And as he was nailed to this cross, he was being mocked and made fun of and spit on the whole time. I mean, the story of Easter, the story of Good Friday, it, it really is a, the ultimate picture of what despair and pain and uncertainty and fear would have looked like. And while Jesus was hanging on the cross, Jesus did exactly what the psalmist King David probably did. He cried out. If we go back to the text that we kick things off with in Matthew chapter 27, verse 46, it says, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, Lamba Shabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Here we have Jesus in all of his humanity voicing the fear that unites us all. See, when things are bad, when circumstances aren't right, when the threat of death is just right around the corner, it puts us in a place where we begin to wonder, man, is God there, right? And if he is there, will he answer me if I call out to him? And if I do call out to him, Will he actually be willing to come through on my behalf? I mean, these are legit questions. They're real questions. And what I find so powerful about the Good Friday story, what I find so powerful about the Easter story, is that in this moment, we see this burst of emotion flow out of Jesus' mouth. And, and he says what I want to say at times. He says what you want to say at times. 
See, Jesus is passing through these, these waters, not literally, but figuratively. He, he's, he's doing what David, he, he, he needed to go through this time. He needed to, to feel what David felt. He needed to feel what you have felt, what I have felt. That feeling of, of being in despair, feeling like you're alone and maybe even abandoned. But see, Jesus not only felt what King David felt and what you and I have felt, that, that, that despair, that, that feeling of being abandoned or alone, Jesus actually took it to the next level. He took it farther than you and I have ever taken it. See, what Jesus did here in this moment is he loved us so much that he took it to the level of feeling the ultimate separation from God. See, in this moment, God was truly absent from Jesus. And, he, and this had to happen in order to make it so that you and I would never have to experience that kind of separation from God. And because of that, we now have this unwavering, we should have this unwavering confidence in the fact that no matter how deep our water gets or how dark our night might be, we should have this confidence that God will be present, is present, and that God will be with us, and he is with us, and that God will get us through to the other side. No longer how long we have to be in the dark. He will guide us through. This is unbelievable news. This is good news. See, we are not abandoned. See, God is present with us in this quarantine that we find ourselves in. And even in those dark moments of life, even in darker moments than we now face, God is in the depths of those waters as well. Because, as you know, the Easter story didn't stop at the death of Jesus. Even Jesus did go through the ultimate in that separation right? He experienced that death, but then God shows back up on the third day. Jesus was brought back to life. And because of what was accomplished during that period of time, we too can survive everything that is thrown at us. Whatever life, whenever life feels so overwhelming, we can get through it because of what Jesus did on the cross and because he was raised back to life. Matter of fact, in the book of Romans, in the book of Romans, we find the Apostle Paul actually addressing and writing one of the new churches that had, 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 had started up. And, and just like our church is a new church, this was a new church, but this church was actually experiencing and dealing with some fear. And so as Paul writes, he wants to address that. Maybe you're experiencing something similar where you're experiencing some fear in your life. Well, check out what Paul wrote to them. He says this, he says in Romans chapter eight, verse 38 through 39, he says, for I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Come on, somebody right? This, this is huge. Guys, I am telling you, I am confident that God is here in our midst, in your home, in your, in your living room, in your room, wherever you are right now, God is there. Guys, God, I, I'm confident that God is with us here today and, and God is going to get us through this. 
So do not, do not let your pain consume you. Don't let your difficulties and your struggles cause, cause you to begin to question God's faithfulness. Instead, choose to cry out to him. And when you do, be certain that he hears you and not just hears you, but is present with you and will get you through. You got to remember that because of what happened on Easter Sunday, you too will be able to survive whatever life throws at you. So as we close today, maybe you find yourself in the middle of some deep waters right now. And maybe you've never actually cried out to God. Maybe you're far from God. Well, I want this moment right here, right now to be your moment that you say yes to Jesus because Jesus has been offering you something. He's been offering you connection to God, the God that created you. You have been offered the opportunity to connect with him, the opportunity to stand in his presence, the opportunity to experience salvation, to experience life and not just life, but life in its full. Okay. And so if you want to make this moment right here, right now, your moment to say yes to him, I just want you to turn your eyes to him in your moment and say a quick little prayer. Say, Jesus, I want to accept what you have done for me. I want to, I want to receive your forgiveness. I, I'm asking that you forgive me. I'm turning my life over to you and I'm going to follow you from this point on. I am starting the journey of walking this out with you. You do that right here, right now. And I ask that you please let us know because we want to come alongside you. You click that link and you send us a message through Facebook or however you want to send us a message. And we will actually give you some resources to walk you through the next steps. But I want you to know we're excited about what you just did. We're celebrating with you and we're praying for you. But for all of us listening that have already said yes to Jesus, we're already on that journey. I also want to give us a cue, an action step that we can put into action, something that we can do to actually apply what we just learned today, right? And my cue for us this week is going to be this. Let's make a list of all the difficult things that God has already walked us through. Because God has walked you through some difficult things in your life. I want you to write them down. Make a list of all the difficult things that God has already walked you through. And as you do that, then begin to remember that Jesus went to the darkest of dark moments. The mo he went through the most violent waters so that you would never have to. He suffered abandonment between Good Friday and Easter Sunday in order to make sure that you would never have to go it alone. And so as we make our list today or this week, I just want you to always remember and always know that, that in all things, through all things, and despite all things, that Jesus Christ is with you. He's with me. We can be oh, 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 so confident and sure of the fact that he is. Let's pray. God, I just thank you for your word. And I thank you for these hidden images that are spread throughout that pack so much meaning. And I thank you that you went through the deepest of waters so that we wouldn't have to. And I pray, Father, that every time we grab a glass to take a drink and we look at water, that we'll be reminded of the fact that we have someone that will get us through whatever challenge it might be. I pray, Father, that in Jesus' mighty powerful name, and everybody said, amen, amen.